I think I'm having an existential crisis. Again? Again. <laughs> why, why do you again say that? Again. Well, because, <laughs> listen, because now I feel directionless. Oh, oh, I see why. Yeah. Right. So, yep. the very first episode of our podcast, we talked about Robert mm. Pattinson being cast as Batman. Right. Yes. And it felt like all of our podcast was this big buildup <laughs> to when that movie dropped. <laughs> yep. And yep. we could finally put in, put the nail in the coffin. We could yes. talk about could. whether or not it met the the expectations or if everyone was right and thinking like twilight boy right so (laughs) and then that happened and we're like okay well we like we need we need a new direction and i feel like for Mm -hmm. a little bit of time it was no way or no time to die um we've only because we watched all the movies leading up to it and listen we've Mm -hmm. done that with other franchises but something about watching 27 28 29 30 films to get to that point <laughs> made it was it a little more of a significant task it was a journey and then some time ago like six months maybe plus ago we sort of determined like okay well what are we building towards what is our mm. next milestone and we have sure. made a hobby out of shit talking avatar <laughs> And so it just kind of naturally, and we knew like after, after <laughs> however, after 14 years, mm-hmm. Avatar 2 is finally coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just like, oh yeah, it's 14 years. They're finally going to get around to making one. It was like, no, 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 no. After 14 years of making one, Avatar 2 is coming. Um, Which is a side note. Like I think like that distinction that you just made is very key because I heard this when I was listening to someone reviewing Avatar 2 as well. It's not like, hey, insert blank movie where we've got three weeks to shoot or, hey, we've got two months for post-production or, hey, we've got like this small window. It's like, no, for like 14 years, James Cameron woke up, <laughs> made his coffee, and, and then, then was like, well, yeah, time went to-, to the world of Pandora. <laughs> right. It's like Which so foreign. Is- a little bit of hyperbole because he did like it wasn't like the sure. second they yeah. released like no. there was a couple of there was like three yeah. years or something where he was like sure traveling but. to mars or going to the bottom of the ocean or <laughs> but still you know whatever james cameron does um <laughs> but still does. it's been a, it's you know because mm-hmm. and part of that is like it hasn't just been it's not like <laughs> now that avatar 2 is out mm-hmm. they're beginning to work on avatar 3 Mm. Right, like a lot of Avatar three was shot. Oh, right, yes. eight years ago. Right, yeah, right. Um, and we'll get mm. into why that is because something recently has come out that kind of makes it sort of interesting. Um, hmm. But now, so, anyways, all of that is to say that now that Avatar two is here, like a month and a half ago, and we're finally getting around to reviewing it, which is equally both of our faults. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I. I don't know what we're working towards. And before I can even say what I say that kicks off the show, mm-hmm. I need us to figure this out. I part think- of me is like, part of me is like, like a movie that I'm really looking forward to is, mm-hmm. is The Flash because right. of the return of Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. But 
it's not something like that holds way more weight to me than mm-hmm. it does to you. Sure. sure. And it's only like three months away. So, right. So that's not I my think, hypothesis. Oh, what I would yeah. like to propose is that it's probably Dune 2. Probably. Because we sh- yeah. like, like there wasn't enough kitty litter in the world to deal with what our initial appraisal of Dune One was. Much to be clear, much to, to be the clear, heartbreak of Marshall. To be clear, to set the priority straight, let's first of all let's just intro the show just no, for those. No, no, no we no, intro the show. No, intro, we have to just for just so people know what they're listening to. Hello and we welcome. Have to. Welcome to the Movie Men Podcast. I am Peter. Mm-hmm. The forced upon this is Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm to here. Be clear. I blink just so just so the audience at home knows. I'm blinking twice. I'm blinking <laughs> twice to indicate that I'm being held against my will, against my wishes. Yeah, I will to clarify. There, everything you said was correct. I just want to like refine it a little bit. I yes, I do feel bad for Marshall because I feel like his heart was broken in so many ways that day i didn't love it i didn't think it was a great movie for me but i definitely didn't hate it as much as you did i need I to rewatch like it i have not seen it a second time and i and did you, eventually you watched i watched it a second it. time and you were like yeah yeah visually, you watched it a second time and you were like that's eh, not visually, bad yeah like it's not great i'm still not amazed by it but it wasn't as bad as this the first time yeah hmm I'm just scrolling through lists. Like, so we're working towards Scream 6. That's a thing. We're working towards... Is it worth saying Mission Impossible is our next? Oh, well, see, that, that was going to be my answer. Like, I get it. Dune, yes, is what we're working towards. So I think that is maybe the answer. But I feel like Mission Impossible is the answer for me. Because it's just... It's fun because it's such a serial. Like, it's a chain. There's so many of them. And it's fun because... Since at least for me, since Top Gun Two, I've had this Tom Cruise awakening. So I've I've gone on board the hype train of like going to a Hollywood blockbuster in a theater and seeing Tom Cruise. Right, and I'm excited. June. It's like a it's like a five month outing. Well, I'm and the reason I think it's a good answer is because I'm excited for the episode that's coming out this year. But then, whether we love or hate it, then there's an additional one coming out next year that we have to kind of pine over and and speculate and think about so i think that might be the reason for me mission impossible is the answer can i because propose an interim goal <laughs> there's so many goals agreeing that it's mission impossible but sure. this this interim goal um would also also requires a commitment from you sure oh okay an april commitment but it's a commitment oh. that i feel like is not that far-fetched i mean okay listen the ultimate interim commitment is that like in literally in like two weeks time mm. we will be sitting in a movie theater watching titanic together right and that is like that is not only what i'm working towards in the podcast right now but that is like <laughs> what my life is building towards <laughs> like i cannot tell you i wake up every morning and i'm like okay we, I, we haven't nailed out the, nailed down the plans yet. I don't have tickets yet. Who's coming and who isn't? How many tickets right. do I... Like, I right. am... And here's the thing. Here's the heartbreaking thing. The okay. weekend... Because it sounds like you and I are likely seeing it on a Sunday. We're going to mm-hmm. aim for a matinee on a Sunday. Right. Yeah. Brienne is out of town. 
Oof. So I'm probably seeing it a second time, like a week later, if it's still in theaters. But I'm and like, whatever. Like I'm I don't like, see for me. That's not a burden. You, that doesn't sound like the heartbreak. No, that's, <laughs> that's like that's great. it's was well, heartbreaking that she's not <laughs> yeah for there sure. for that big yeah. Um, here's the thing, April fourteenth. Are we watching Titanic again? No. This is an oh. important date, and I, I think it's an important film. This is every so often. Listen, every so often we pull back the curtain. Because, oh, sorry, just to pause it, what, what was the actual date of the sinking? It Wasn't it April 14th? It was. It was April 14th, 1912. So, what film are we watching on April 14th? <laughs> the only shipwreck of a film that we could possibly... <laughs> April 14th is the release date of Renfield. Nicolas Cage as Count Dracula. Oh my gosh. I feel like this is a film, I feel like, listen, if you're in the quest of of deciding whether or not Nicolas Cage is a good actor, this mm-hmm. is the, fi- like, watch this and need no further investigation. <laughs> this is the film that is going to answer all of those oh, questions. Man. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure that out. But I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm proposing both on camera, on screen, on mic, and off mic mm-hmm. that you and I watch and review Renfield because not only, like, I sent you the trailer and you mm-hmm. have to admit. It's intriguing. It looks like a hell of a time. It does. Yeah. It does. And, and Nick Cage as, as Dracula. <laughs> Like I, I don't uh, know. To me, yeah. to me. Anyways, hello and welcome. I already said that. I didn't welcome say it again. with as much enthusiasm, but now no. I'm feeling in a enthused. place where I can be enthused enough. Mm-hmm. Let's and do that's, this. That's all we can ask. Avatar mm-hmm. two. Here we mm-hmm. go. So, um, oh, Paddington two. Um, <laughs> what? Oh, is that not what we're no? No. Avatar. Avatar. Too, too fast to Avatar. The 1993 or so it feels film Avatar. <laughs> oh, uh, no, Avatar Way of Water. Okay, listen. Mm-hmm. This is a big mm-hmm. one, and I we don't always disclose this, but I feel mm-hmm. like this time it's important to disclose it. True. We are going to talk the schism out of Avatar 2. So, mm-hmm. if you have not seen it, don't listen. Or if you have not seen it and you don't care about spoilers, then listen. If you have seen it and you care about spoilers or you don't care about spoilers, it doesn't really matter which one, listen. But either way, spoiler warning, we're about to talk about this movie in full detail. Um, and and what's to come in Avatar 3? We, I got some fun little things to share about that. I actually have a really interesting thing to share about Avatar 5 which Interesting. seems odd and unexpected, but it's <laughs> yeah. something that gets me really excited for the franchise moving forward. Hmm. So yeah, that's that's your warning. And that's not like a don't listen to this episode. That's like no. a hold off. That's like bookmark it or, you know, yeah. fold, come on fold back. the beer page and come, come on back, back when, when you're prepared. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're but done if your it's homework. anything like Avatar One, you've got the next year and a half to go see it in theaters. So that like this is right. really no rush. It's not yeah. like <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So you saw Avatar too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The Way of Water. I saw the it. Way, yeah. I rewatched. Mm-hmm. Okay. So question. I want to wait. Do you you probably don't have trivia? I don't. No. Okay. I guess we should do initial impressions. Sure. Yeah. Before we Okay. Initial impressions. 
Um, and some of this initial impression is based upon the fact that, and this is a question I want you to answer in your initial impression. Hmm. Um, I like hours before going to see this movie, I rewatched the first one. Mm. I remembered it. Mm-hmm. And I easily could have found, like, for the bits that I needed refreshing on, I easily could have found, like, a 10-minute right. YouTube video YouTube, that just kind of yeah. gets me caught up. But yeah. I wanted to be emotionally in that world. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Intense. I love the intensity, yes. yes I, I yeah, I wanted to be, like, in that... I wanted to get myself into Avatar mode and be... and and the little nuances that perhaps a YouTube recap was not going to touch on, I wanted those to be fresh. Mm. Visually, this film is leaps and bounds ahead of the first one. Visually, I don't think the first film holds up. Avatar 2, in our current day and age, when I saw it in, in January of 2022 is a beautifully stunning film. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't surprise me because even the people who were planning on not, like, I think that's something we can all agree on because even the people who were not planning to go see it, even the Avatar, like, Avatar is the stupidest thing in the world. They also said, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's going to look amazing, but I don't want to see it. So even Mm. the haters can acknowledge, wow. What a thing to look at. Um, Story-wise, interest-wise, entertainment-wise, I believe that Avatar Way of Water, hot take, this may be a hot take, or it may just be the general consensus, it's too soon to tell. I think it's leaps and bounds above the first one. I, I have been on and off about Avatar 1 for years. Yep. Thought I hated it. Yep. Rewatched it maybe about a year ago or whenever that was. Yeah. Um, realized, eh, you know what? I don't hate it. But I do think it's incredibly overhyped. I think that Avatar 2 is a film that I have no question about. I do enjoy it. I like Avatar 2. I do. Um. Does it deserve some of the positions in the box office records that we're going to end up talking about? Maybe not on its own merits, but I do understand that, you know, like you have you have to understand that so much of that is fueled by Avatar 1, is fueled by the overhype that that lives and exists around the first one. Mm. Um but yeah, Avatar 2, initial impression. I like this movie. I really mm. like this movie and it got me, you know, where the first one ended and I'm like, okay, like I, you know, I understand <laughs> he's making more. I don't mm-hmm. need more, not only because I'm lukewarm to the movie, but also because I just don't think the movie beckons for, like, I don't think the story beckons for more. Um, and now I'm like, okay, all right, that's where are we going? What are we going to do next? I like mm. sign me up. This is a hell of a world. It's a hell of a world. <laughs> and, and, I enjoyed it for reasons. The last thing I'll say is I enjoyed it for reasons that I expected would be reasons that I would not enjoy it. So I was oh. shocked and surprised. Hmm. Interesting. Your turn. 
Yeah. I'll give my impression. And sorry, was there a question that I had to answer? Um, my- how recent was your... How recent? Okay, yeah. Your rewatch. Yeah. I think I'll just step through it that I saw it in theaters. Obviously, like many people did in 2009. Then I watched it in a home viewing probably five years after that. So oh, less- the first one. The first one. So I never saw the first one in theaters. That's also Mm, worth mentioning. That is very, 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 yeah. I don't think I did. I may have, but if I Mm. did, it was at like the five month mark. Like I was, either way, I was late to the Avatar train. Sure, sure. Yeah, I I saw the first in theaters five years or so after I saw it at home. And then I saw it most recently. I think we reviewed it a year or two ago by now. But probably a year or two ago. Yeah, see, this I'm is almost, part of my memory with the podcast. Yeah. So I was I like, feel like ah, did we do we, this? we either did or we just talked about it. And I, I ask I, you all the time. Like, I literally, <laughs> we, were, we had a meeting before we started the show. And I was like, did we do this movie at some point? And you're like, ah, no, I don't think we did. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And that's that's the curse of, of 260 plus episodes. <laughs> is that... Um, <laughs> You know, over the span of five calendar years, may I Yoy. add. Good yeah. golly, it's time Good to grief. retire. Okay. But yeah, so I've seen it three times. I did not watch it more recently to lead up to Avatar 2. And, you know, I... Episode 92. I just was Sep- looking. September, episode 92. September 20th, 2020. <laughs> there you so go. So in, in the heat, you know, so I mean, that oh, that goes man. to show... When when we were stuck at home and we're literally not allowed to go do anything else, we're like, okay, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, the first Avatar I was blown away with visually. I remember just like doing a pulse check, not literally, but just metaphorically going, wow, what an incredible movie going experience. Like mid scenes, I'd be like, just blown away like what are we seeing this is incredible some of the nighttime visuals when jake is stuck in the jungle in the first film and you see like eyes and uh, creatures in the dark and just some of the things are just so breathtakingly incredible and i i was blown away with the visuals of number two and i agree that they're far superior but i didn't have the shock value of number one i think just because of the climate of you know what 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 was 2009 Avatar rubbing shoulders with, you know, visually just as an industry, we've come a long way. So, you know, I think just also expectations are kind of a little bit more higher than they were for number one. Number one, we just walked in and were blown away. Number two, we knew, okay, James Cameron, you're not sneaking up on us here. We know what you've been doing. We know what you have up your sleeve. So visually... I wasn't as surprised, and I, I'm i not disagreeing with what you're saying. The visuals are obviously better for number two, but I was less surprised. And I think my impression here of saying that is it was a visually interesting film that I watched, and visually, you're right, it is better than number one. It was less dramatically surprising than number one for the reasons I outlined. I think I'm done with this universe, man. I am one of those people. I, if I wow. had James Cameron on my phone, which I don't, but if I did, I'd probably send him a text and say, if you want to know what I want you to make, I want you to spend your time and effort 
Making and stories. Titanic 2. <laughs> well, that. But specifically, I'm... There is a Titanic 2, and I've seen it. My gosh, it's awful. It is not by James Well, Okay, Cameron. but I'm pretty sure Titanic 2 came out before Titanic 1, right? It's very possible. Like, Titanic like, 2, I think, is a sequel to A Night to Remember, which is like a 1950s film. It's hard to I don't remember. I remember it being, I think it's from the 90s, Titanic 2. Oh, 2010. 2010 2010. Oh, my 2. Lord. Never mind. And it uh, stars no one you've ever heard of. Okay. <laughs> Directed by <laughs> some algorithm of a computer. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm like looking at images right now, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm looking at screenshots, and I'm like, this is a really impressive looking video game. Oh, wait, it that's was, a film. Huh. It was so bad. Like, it was one of those movies that you question why you watched it, that's for sure. Uh, but... If I could text James Cameron, I would say make a better Titanic 2. But I would say spend your time and effort making a storyline in our Earth, in our ocean. I'm I'm just not invested in 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 this universe anymore. The stakes just aren't there for me. Spend time. What if I could bend this here? I would say spend time instead of ma- making this like a metaphor or an allegory for you know, colonization or uh, groups that have been marginalized or, or, or detrimented by, by colonization or what have you. Actually, don't make this a metaphor. Like, make and tell me a story, whether it's historical fiction or partly fiction or you decide, of some indigenous group or nation in the 1700s in, in the prairies. And, you know, like, actually pick something like that in that timeline and just visually blow me away with the realism of the costume designs of, of you know, bl- blow me away the same way with visuals of just like mountain landscapes and, and oceans and rivers and of our earth and just, you know, do the, the planet earth experience for me and in, in your visuals of, of storytelling. And I, I think just for me, I just find a lot of these storylines and characters a bit hollow for me. And I think that's the gap there for me. You know, I think I just, I I'm, I've never really bought into this whole storyline that we're, that we're going down. And I think this second movie was no different for me. And I, uh, you know, visually incredible, but the story I, I've, I've, uh, I think I've just met my quota a little bit. And when you, and this is no surprise to me that there's a fifth, like there's a few coming out. But when you're talking about, yeah, I've got some news about number five. I'm like, really? Like where, where else are we going here? Like what, what else is there to tell? This other is than amazing. Visually? This is an amazing take because, <laughs> uh, A, because I'm always interested when we have polar opposites. Sure. And B, this film did the impossible of converting me to an avatar franchise fan. Wow. Yeah. And I, I get it. All those things that I said, I don't take away the fact that visually it's breathtaking. I think just if I want my cake and eating it too, I want a story that's just as captivating. And I think for me, that's just not this universe that he's trying to tell me, but Huh. Okay. Visually, well, yeah, I, I have no complaints visually. And what an entertaining ride. So, I mean, I feel I was going to hold off on this, but I feel like now mm. is the time to talk about my Avatar Five news. So, <laughs> okay, Avatar, Avat, Avatar Three, we know takes pl- like that. The progression that this franchise is going to take is dealing with like 
you know, Jake and Natiri belong to the forest na- Navi. Right. Yep. And what who we go and meet in this movie is mm-hmm. the the water Navi, the ocean, the sea Navi. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um number 5 de- or number 5. Number 3 <laughs> is going to deal with the fire Navi. Huh. That that we're going to kind of move through like an elemental progression. Sure. What we know about five is that five is going to take place at least some part, but it sounds like largely on Earth. Oh. And that intrigues me something fierce. And my speculation and the speculation of a couple other people out on the internet, and I'm gapping mm-hmm. her name, and I'm trying to Google it here, and it's not giving me the results I want. Who is the Navi that is, like, in the healing tank throughout this whole oh, film? Oh, and that's um, the famous person um, from from Alien, right? Um, oh, what's her name? Sigourney Weaver? Yeah, is isn't it? that her? I'm pretty sure. Is... Okay, hang on. That's an interesting question because then that would make it the mother of. I don't. I don't. I I, I didn't pick up on that. Hang on. I I could be wrong. So but who, I'm almost wait. Mm. So now I now 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 I need to figure this out because she plays Kiri in this one. She plays effectively oh. her, the daughter, right? Yeah. Like Sigourney Weaver's in this one, right? Um, in the first one. She plays Dr. Grace Augustine. Right. Yeah. But I thought it was a name like Aya or something. Hmm. Is Grace Augustine in Avatar 2? Grace Augustine, her character, died near the climax of that movie. It's an interesting development when Weaver was confirmed to be right. Yeah, no. There's someone. There's someone okay, in that tank, it's... but it's but it kind of seemed like it because it's mm-hmm. the daughter. That kid is like mm-hmm. straddling that tank at some point, looking <laughs> at that tank like it's like mm-hmm. of some significance. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, 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 wait. No, he was the. I don't know. I don't know who's in that tank. <laughs> and and my my theory hinges on understanding who is in that tank. So yeah, mm. so her, Grace Augustine's daughter is Kiri. Right. Who's the, like she's sort of been adopted into Jake and Natiri's family. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's voiced by, like it's very clear that that's, <laughs> that's Sigourney Weaver. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't understand... I don't understand who is in that tank. Because it's it's important to my theory. Hmm. And so I can't let it go. <laughs> I can't just be like, oh, wow, it doesn't matter. Um, well, while you're digging that up, the one thing yeah. I'll say is I'm Keep intrigued talking. that this oh, I found aspect... Okay. <laughs> I'll just say it, I'm intrigued that there's this concept of we're returning to Earth in the fifth film. And I'm intrigued by that. But I also am a little skeptical that we'll be seeing Earth in the way that I want to. Because, again, I understand Cameron's perspective here of wanting to show areas, you know, 
we've seen forests, we've seen oceans, and then we've seen the destruction of them by these foreign groups coming and, and laying ha- laying havoc to them. And so, you know, the first half of the film is usually like, yeah, we see things in splendor and then we see things burnt to crap. And I, I arguably would just rather like to see that, like I said, in the 1700s of a beautiful landscape, beautiful things, and then, you know, having a railroad coming through and ruining things. And, um, yeah, I, I think I would be more interested in that picture. But as it relates to number five, I doubt we're going to see Earth in like breathtaking IMAX uh, of a spectacle that I would want to see it in. Like, I think I'm just basing it off a storyline. If the humans in this story are coming and laying waste to oceans and laying waste to forests and trees and whatnot, I feel like when we go back to Earth in number five, I feel like it's going to be like a barren wasteland of just smog and and burnt (laughs) fires and just Mm -hmm. awfulness that uh yeah i'm intrigued but i don't know if it's the earth i'll be wanting to see in imax so um yeah so i was i i was reading here Mm -hmm. um so it is grace's avatar that's in the because grace is dead okay right grace is um yep grace Grace's avatar, which has been rendered brain dead, gave mm. birth to a girl named Kiri. Hmm. However, the father, if any, remains unknown. Grace's avatar has since been incubated at the laboratory for over a decade. Because, hmm. it's, yeah, it's been like 10 years. It is, yeah. In stories since the first one. Um, I think, so here's, here's my theory, hmm. is that this avatar... Okay. Grace's avatar. Because yep. at the end of the first one, Grace's avatar is like connected with, imbued with all of the powers of their deity. Mm. Of Iwa. Okay. So I think that Grace's avatar, Grace's body, although brain dead and sitting in an incubator, has hmm. some sort of celestial, supernatural deity properties to it hmm. and is going to play a role in the rehabilita- rehabilitation and salvaging of Earth. Interesting. Like, I think he's setting up, because obviously he knows what the story is, right? James yeah. Cameron doesn't go oh. home at night yeah. wondering, what are we going to do for <laughs> Avatar 5? Like, this right. has been well thought out. And so, I, anyways, that's that's sort of my theory. Speaking of Grace's avatar, I have a very interesting observation, and it's going to sound like a weird observation, but it's something I kind of want to unpack because sure. I'm curious about the behind-the-scenes of this. Hmm. So one of the things about the Avatar films is that the, the Na'vi being a tribal race of the the planet Pandora, mm. of the moon Pandora, mm-hmm. are fairly, fairly scantily clad. They're wearing like loincloths and, yeah. and well-placed flowers to cover, <laughs> you know, female nipples. Um, rewatching the first one, I was very shocked to find that there are a lot, specifically with Natiri, there are 
are a lot of nipple slips. Hmm. There are a lot of times where either she's bent over, so her 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 fl- the flowers around her neck are hanging down, or she's in whatever attack pose or whatever. Like literally, probably twenty times, hmm. you can see at least one of, if not both, of Natiri's nipples. Hmm. And this is not. That's not like an accident, goof, whatever. These are CGI characters. Nothing happens by accident. They Hmm. had to, like, animate in her nipples. Right. And so I was like, okay. So they're like, because it's a PG-13 film, so they're not being overt about her nipples. But they're not being strict about not showing them either they're just kind of being like you know like discreetly like this this thing around her neck has to have reasonable realistic physics and so if she's going to be in any position other than standing upright and completely still from Mm -hmm. time to time these little flowers and leaves are gonna sway from side to side and you're gonna see something Hmm. In Avatar 2, so I, and I was really shocked. And so it was something that I was kind of like watching for in Avatar 2. It'd be like, okay, how are, what are the physics of the clothing that they've, they've animated? Hmm. And in Avatar 2, in The Way of Water, in the scene er, very early on, like in the first 15, 20 minutes of the film, when we first see Grace's Avatar, hmm. and we're introduced to near uh kiri and who's the boy loak loak yeah am i getting the wrong boy there Uh, spider well spider's the human i believe the human the humans who i'm thinking of oh yeah we're first also introduced to him um and we see grace's avatar in the tank we get a full-on, like, it It quickly becomes blurry in the background, but we do, like, we full-on see Grace's avatar topless, right? Floating in the tank. You see you see her, her nipples. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is like, we're being much more overt about this. Hmm. Not once through the rest of the film, those, those, like, natural, normal nipple slips that happened in the first one, Hmm. never happen in this one the the hmm. leaves the flowers the whatever they are are always at the perfect angle to cover everything and i i'm curious from a filmmaking behind the scenes standpoint hmm. how and why this is so one of the differences that i can sort of figure is that when the first one was, like, the first film was made under 20th Century Fox. Mm, The second film is made by 20th Century Studios, which is the new name for the studio after it was acquired by Disney. So, Hmm. technically, this is a Disney film. Hmm. Which would explain why there's no nipple slips, except for the completely overt display of them in the tank at the beginning of this film. Hmm. And so it's something like, obviously there's no interviews out there. I mean, I haven't gone looking for them, but I would assume (laughs) there's no interviews out there where this is talked about. But from a filmmaking, again, from from a a standpoint of a film where nothing happens by accident, Mm. 
It's digital. If you're not drawing it in, it's not there. Hmm. Yeah, yeah nothing s- happens by mistake. Nothing's nothing's like, oh, we didn't catch that her nipple's visible at one point. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, that's just not how it works. Mm-hmm. I'm very fascinated by why the second one seems to have this level of censorship that the first one didn't except hmm. for this one moment where they go much more like they go a lot further with it like it's not just like a look closely for it and you'll see it it's like a you know it's a there's a naked navi in this tank like hmm. so i don't i don't know i don't know if you have any thoughts or opinions or theories on this but like it's something that i walked out of the theater very interested from a from like a behind the scenes standpoint of like this is a conscious decision what changed what changed hmm. what put yeah. you in a position where you were no longer willing to show like it because at times like that's the one thing at, at times it's like kind of unbelievable that hmm. these tiny little <laughs> nipple sized leaves are always in the perfect position to be covering everything right. um and in the first one, I think they they realized that. Like at, at times, you know, we'll cover it most of the time. So she's not just walking around topless. But at times, <laughs> it's gonna like you're gonna see something. Whereas in this time, they made a very conscious decision to never have a nipple slip, except for essentially a topless scene at the beginning. I'm so fascinated by this. Hmm. It's definitely interesting. Do, and you, I, do you like? I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I'm surprised by, and again, I think it goes back to not watching number one recently that I didn't even, like, it didn't even register with me with number one. And then in this one, like you said, it really didn't show a whole lot of stuff. So I think I kind of went over my head. And when you break down any type of filmmaking about, you know, the challenges you deal with if you're dealing with people wearing costumes on a set versus the conscious decision of, okay, guys, this is our process of what we're going to be doing when we depict these scenes and this costume. You know, like, a decision was made, and it's interesting how kind of the they flipped completely 180 of going from one direction in number one to now where they did in number two. Right. And something that went over my head that I didn't really notice or didn't even really notice at all in either, either viewings, but I haven't watched the two movies close enough side to side. Right, no, for sure. But yeah, mm-hmm. I just, it's, to me, it, like, I don't know. It's a question that that ultimately is unimportant, but it's a question that mm-hmm. I feel like I need answered because it does. It, it There's, like, implications to it. Like, what, was this a James Cameron decision? Was this right. a studio decision? It doesn't seem like James Cameron is the type of person who listens to studio decisions like james cameron's probably kind of the f you i'm gonna make the movie i'm gonna make so (laughs) you know i don't care what your opinion is but i yeah i don't know yeah it'd be i'd be curious to know the why yeah so talk to me talk to me about avatar man um one thing i'll say is kind of piggybacking on what you said in the visuals and the number two were better I think something that did work for me, and I before I later on or now talk about things that didn't work, something that worked for me 
is I do feel it was a bit more of a fun ride visually than number one. In that, well, number one was breathtaking, like I said, for all the different reasons, you know, the the landscape of movies at the time and, and, you know, the technology of the time compared to now. So yes, it was better now than it was then, but it was, it was more breathtaking at the time. Something with number one that I kind of was brought atten- brought to my attention was, yes, you have these amazing visual sequences, and then you have other sequences where Jake is in his bunker doing human stuff. And so it's just humans on screen looking under microscopes or, you know, like doing stuff in the lab where they're just, you know, doing human stuff and having human conversations. Something I feel like in number two is visually from a in a good perspective it doesn't ease it doesn't hit the brakes at any point it doesn't lean off the gas like it's just from beginning to end there's every sequence is almost vis- like equally as visually stunning and challenging to me the viewer and to you the viewer you know what i mean so like number 1 yes amazing milestones and amazing moments but then you know visually it would kind of plateau for a bit when you're having a scene with Jake making a peanut butter sandwich in the bunker and Sigourney Weaver saying, hey, I'm Sigourney Weaver. And then you jump back to, you know, they're straddling monsters in the sky and doing crazy things. And then you go back. Number two, there's no lulls. Like it just from the beginning to the middle to the end, it's all guns ablaze and, you know, deep water, whale, ocean sequences, flying in the sky sequences, action battle sequences, from that, I have to commend the movie. Just visually, just as a ride, as an entertaining three and a half hours, I feel like that, aside from the technology that was better in number two, just the volume and how much it came at you visually was just more entertaining in number two from that regard. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, it's it's nonstop. And, and we get introduced to these like water beasts and... and- mm-hmm. The thing that it's it's interesting because there's although Jake and Natiri are still like we see them with a completely different dynamic as parents now, and this was the aspect of the film that I hypothesized would not work for me. Oh, really? I didn't want to see the kids. I didn't want right. to. I, I was worried that too much of the focus would be taken away from Jake and Natiri and mm. that it would be put on on the the kids. Sure. And the emphasis certainly is, I feel like, taken off of Jake and Natiri and put on the kids. But it worked. Like I just really loved the mm. di- the dynamic. The the family. Sure. The older brother, the younger brother, the older brother who's supposed to watch out for the younger brother, the younger brother who's a little bit of a recluse, the older brother who doesn't is also a little bit of a recluse and doesn't really mm. do a good job of looking after the younger brother. No. And then the adopted sister who is clearly different than that right. in personality and in like she's clearly from a different family, mm. um, but is still a part of that family, is still loved like she's one of theirs. Hmm. Um, I think for me, like the thing, I just mentioned the water monsters. The thing that that made this film really work, and I think the thing that's going to keep it fresh and keep it working moving forward was this massive change of scenery. Hmm. Was the discovery 
for the viewer of this different type of Navi. Hmm. That it wasn't just, okay, we're in the woods and there's home tree, which is now destroyed. And mm-hmm. there's the, the, the tree of whatever, like the Iwas tree with the glowing things and, you know, whatever else. Like that it wasn't just trying to come up with an interesting follow-up story in the same setting with the same characters. Right. No, it, it wasn't. It blew, no. Like, this film blew the world of Avatar wide open, hmm. made it much more expansive, and it yep. sounds like that's just going to continue to be the plan moving forward, right? And they kind of set that up at the end of this one, right, where, where Jake says, like, you know, we got to move on. We're going to go somewhere hmm. else. We, you know, like, we appreciate being inducted as one of one of you, um, but it's time that we, it's time hit that the, we go. Hit, hit the dusty trail. Yeah. I and, thought it was smart that we had the same antagonist in a way, mm-hmm. but now in a Navi body. Like, that was... Yeah. But also yeah. not the same, and that Spider is the son of him, but not really, because this is just mm-hmm. this is just an an avatar with with the the general's memories <laughs> yeah. and personality. So it's not really so this general doesn't really give two shits about the kid. And mm-hmm. there's one point where they like try to hold the kid hostage as leverage, and oh my gosh, and he's like, right, it's not my kid. Yeah, I don't care, kill him. I don't care. I, <laughs> I have these memories. I have these whatever, but that's he's not actually my kid. Mm-hmm. I two things I want to hit on right here. One is a pro, and I guess the other is definitely a con. But that is one good point that you bring up. You know, as much as I say I'm done with this universe, and I, I'm not, I'm not as excited as some viewers are. James Cameron is strategic about what he's doing, and you know. He's a storyteller first and foremost, and he has also, in a good way, like I'm not saying a charge rate, but like he has a political agenda of, you know, just, you know, the the earth and, and degradation of it and kind of, you know, having viewers watch a movie about the earth and it being kind of misused and abused and how we can learn from that and how we can learn from that in our world. You know, like there's these good things that he's doing. So he's a storyteller, he's a activist, and... He's also just an entertainer. I guess maybe that ties in with storytelling too. But I do find that entertaining that he's strategic about this is the the impression I'm picking up. You know, you're right. He's not just saying, hey, we're back at the ranch for every single episode. It's not a sitcom where everyone's in the same build. You know, it's not like Friends where all the storytelling takes place in one room. We had the forest in the first one. We've got the oceans in the second one. And, you know, it sounds like you said fires coming up. Other other areas and places on this, this planet, on this moon, you know, I guess just from someone who isn't as ecstatic about this, this universe, about what this story has to say, visually, it's giving me a reason to come back. And, uh, you know, I don't doubt that for one second. You know, I, as much as I may or may not have liked number two, visually, it was still a fun time. And I doubt... That'll that'll be any different for number three, four, or five, just because James Cameron, you know, he's strategic about what he's going to do, but the underlying story that he's trying to tell, and um, visually how he's going to do it. So you know, I guess I have to give kudos to that aspect. Right. You know, 
as much as I dread the fact that there's five when you break it down and be like, yeah, but each one brings something different, even if you're not into it as much as others are. So that's that's definitely a pro. But a con, mm-hmm. again, something that I'm, you brought up a specific example. So that, that moment where this human child or whatever you'd call it is held at knife point. Something that I just think that, I think it serves as a microcosm for me of why there's just no stakes for a lot of what's told in this. You know, the the character and the storylines at times are just hollow because when you've got Natiri literally holding this boy with a knife to his throat, whether it's truly, you know, whether it was a bluff or not, or whether it was real or not, it, in the heat of the moment, I'm sure if I was having a knife held at my neck, I'd be like, you know, WTF, what's going on here? And I feel like just that occurrence happens and then the movie goes on and then the movie ends. Like maybe this will happen in number three. So maybe I'm jumping the ship a bit, but there's a lot of hollow dialogue. There's a lot of occurrences. I would have cut out of this number two movie to give us a bit of payoff from that scene saying, you know, what does it mean for their relationship with each other? What does it mean for the implications of this boy going forward? Like, is he going to, even though he has no real reason to save him from the water, he does. Is he going to go back to that well one more time and, you know, give information that hurts Jacob or Natiri or the Avatar? You know, I'm just curious about the implications of that split second moment where someone could feel betrayed and someone could right. feel hurt and someone could feel, hey, I, I know I look different, but you've always loved me as a family member. But then in this heat of the moment, you just totally used me as a pawn. So I think there was just that, that using that as an example of like, okay, visually let's match the intensity of the story with the story here and just have something with stakes and implications and crossing a line and, you know, Again, maybe I'm being premature that there are five movies, so maybe it's too soon to jump the ship here. But we also said the same critique about Dune 1, where we said, you know, maybe it'll pay off in future films, but as a standalone, you know, you need to impress me from a movie perspective right here, right now. You know, I can't wait 10 years to be brought back by, okay, okay, story-wise, this is where you, you came through and eventually paid off. Like, right here, right now, it seems a bit hollow. Right. I but I wonder like is that is that the case? Because I mean like you talk about, you know, you've always loved me as a child. And mm-hmm. I think that this is setting up future growth for Natiri because mm-hmm. there you know, I don't know that she's always loved him as a child, right? Like there's there mm-hmm. is a dialogue that happens earlier on in this film when the kids are play- the the Navi children are playing with Spider and Natiri makes a comment mm. about how they should be playing with other Navi that like she doesn't like that he's human and right. and Jake Jake is a defender right Jake's mm. like no like you know yeah like it's fine or whatever I think he maybe mentioned something about how he was at one point and mm. the kids are half human in, mm-hmm. in ex- like there's human DNA there because right. um, their hands are different. But yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know that she, I don't know that she was always as loving towards spider. Like part of me wants to think that in that scene, 
it was like she was never going to do it. She was never going to kill the kid. It was probably trying not. to. It was Probably trying not. to influence and mm-hmm. and get the upper hand with with uh, yeah. Quatridge. Get some get some leverage thing. going. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then part of me is also like, I don't know. She's she has tribal instincts, right? And mm-hmm. so that maybe plays a factor. And it's her family and her children that are being threatened, mm-hmm. and. So, you know, if push came to shove, would she sacrifice another child in order to save her own family? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I don't, I never got the impression that she was as affectionate or as committed to the, the survival or happiness of, Mm. of Spider as the rest were. And you, you might be right. And then to that, I would say, then, you know what, James, we, James Cameron, we need to, we need to show and explore this a bit more. Like maybe her and Jake sit down after and Jake's like, yo, what was going on there? Like, yeah, I know emotions were heightened, but you like, we need to love this guy here, you know, or, or some, maybe it goes between Spider and Atiri saying, you know, we cool or, you know, I, I think just, I would have liked that explored a bit more and, you're right. It, I think you're underlying some things that Natiri, maybe there is some differences of, as far as how she values that relationship, but as a film to just not even address it afterwards kind of reduces some of the stakes. Whether And you could be right, like it could have just been a total bluff, and I think it right. probably was. But regardless, still, I guess I'm just putting myself in that situation. If it, the next movie, man bingo night with you me and carl if one of you puts a knife to me i'm I'm wanting to have a discussion about it afterwards right call call me old-fashioned though yeah no no i get it um one of the things i was going to mention is um the fact that there was big um there were big time jump or there was a not a time jump there was a difference in why part of Avatar 3 was shot oh. when it was. Okay. Um, which was, if I pull it up here, um, some of it happened alongside the filming of Avatar 2. Hmm. And that filming took place in 2017. Oh, wow. Um, and they shot some scenes for Avatar 3, specifically, like, I'm sure they did, like, some motion capture stuff back then, too, Mm. but specifically some live-action stuff, because I guess in Avatar 3, there's going to be a time jump. Oh. Um, and they needed some scenes, I think, specifically for characters like Spider, characters who are going to show noticeable aging right like if you're 40 yeah then you know you can a little bit of makeup and a little bit of whatever (laughs) you can seem like you're five years younger Um, right but for a a teenager or a child actor that's much more difficult and so they shot the scenes that they needed in order like they shot the scenes they needed where spider needed to be the same age Right. Um, or relatively similar back then, so that when it came time to 
do the live action principal photography for Avatar 3, then the age jump was appropriate. Hmm. It's an it's neat just because I think I'm just thinking to specific shows and sequels that I've seen where that has been a problem. And you do have to have some foresight when you're having five sequels, just of where, like you said, James Cameron knows exactly what he's doing and where he's going. But just having that ability to have the foresight, and I guess it comes with being so successful. Like, there's no doubt that he's going to get, you know, a renewal to do three, four, and five. It's not like other series where, you know, you might have to go film by film, depending on how they're going. So just some unique opportunities that are afforded to him because of who he is and what he's done. But it's just a it's a cool opportunity to plan ahead and be like, okay, I need to film this stuff before people age. So then it looks realistic for transitions. And yeah. I, I'm just thinking specifically back to Lost. There were some characters that literally had to be written out of the show just because of children aging. And, you know, in the span of a, the show is supposed to take place over a month. And they'd, yeah. they'd be like, wow, you look 10 years older. Like, what happens, Joe? Yeah, exactly. So that is, exactly. that is cool. That is cool. If... That feels like a good moment to talk about why there's no doubt. Why why trust is put mm. in James Cameron. <laughs> I know where this is going. So at the time of recording, Avatar sure. The Way of Water has grossed two billion one hundred seventy-six million two hundred and twenty-nine thousand one hundred and five dollars. Two point one billion. Okay. 2.1 bill. Approaching 2.2 billion. Oh, man. Yeah. It's creeping close to Titanic, isn't it? It is. So, the first one, first Avatar has two... So, okay. So, this has 2 point... Uh, what is it? 2.17 billion. Mm-hmm. Titanic is 2.19 billion. <laughs> it's like 16 million dollars away hmm. from overthrowing Titanic and taking the number 3 slot. Now, listen. Mm. Mm-hmm. The last kind of three big ones that we've watched, the ones that were like really interesting. So only mm-hmm. six films All right, hang on. Let me <laughs> let me let me rewind here. Sure. Only six films in history have made two billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Avatar or Avengers: Infinity War in the number mm-hmm. six slot. Mm-hmm. Star Wars: The Force Awakens in number five. Avatar: The Way of Water in number four mm-hmm. currently. Yep. Titanic in number three. Ava- uh, Avengers: Endgame in number two. Mm. And Avatar: The First One in number one. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Due to some re-releases and stuff like mm. that, but still. Yeah. Six films in the history of the world have made $2 billion. Mm-hmm. Half of them mm-hmm. are James Cameron films. Hmm. Just let that sink in. Just let that sink in. <laughs> of the top three films of all time, two of them. Mm-hmm. two-thirds of the highest grossing films of all time, 66% of the highest three grossing films of all time are James Cameron films. Hmm. Avatar. You could just pump those numbers a bit more. 75% of the top four are James Cameron. Yeah. 
like just... 75% of the top four James Cameron yeah. films. <laughs> Avatar recently hit its sixth consecutive week at the box office, being number one. The last time a film did that was 14 years ago with Avatar. The last time it happened before that was Titanic. <laughs> In the last 25 years, the only three films to have six consecutive weeks at number one in the box office are all James Cameron films. Now, here's the thing. Like, at this point, yep. will Avatar The Way of Water pass Titanic? I'm guessing so. It seems likely mm. to me that that will happen. Mm-hmm. Does that matter? Like, passing The Force Awakens, that was kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Passing Titanic, uh, they're both James Cameron films, so mm-hmm. it that doesn't make a big difference to James Cameron. It's sort of kind of neither here nor there as far as like the <laughs> yeah. records hold. Avengers Endgame. So right now, Avatar The Way of Water is $2.17 billion. Mm-hmm. Avengers Endgame is $2.79. I... Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it right here. There's no, it doesn't, it's not going to pass that. It doesn't have a chance to pass Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. So let's say it does pass Titanic, or let's say it doesn't. Either way, it doesn't sure. change that the top four, oh, yeah. three of them are, t- are James Cameron films. Mm-hmm. The only film that has it has has the right has the privilege to stand among James Cameron films in the top 4 films of all time mm-hmm. is a film that took 15 years 20 A star actors A list actors mm-hmm. and 25 plus films <laughs> to get it there yeah it's astounding it is. And what furthermore is like, it's bizarre to me. I was saying to Brianne the other day, James Cameron is not a name that most people would bring up when talking about the greats of no, filmmaking. I don't when think you're talking so. about your Steven Spielbergs yeah. and your Martin mm-hmm. Scorsese's and your Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcocks mm-hmm. and your yep. Quentin Tarantino's mm-hmm. and your, you know, Clint Eastwood's and whoever right. else. Yeah. You don't think James Cameron. He doesn't get brought up a lot. No. Like in that context of, yeah, the upper echelon. But it's like, maybe he needs to. And I mean, listen, money made does not equal quality of film. It doesn't. Sure. There's lots of factors that come into it. It's just not, that's not how it works. But it's got to be considered. It like, doesn't hurt. No. And and you have to you have to look at it and go, James Cameron has done something. Like, here's the yeah. thing. And I feel confident saying this. Mm-hmm. There has never, that's objective. And <laughs> subjectively, but I would argue almost objectively, there will never, mm-hmm. as far as what record setting box office holding the top th- three of the top four. There will never be another James Cameron. Mm -hmm. Like, he has made cinema history forever. Yep. And it's just, it's astounding. So, yeah, when James Cameron comes to you and says, I have a great idea for a film about a (laughs) stool, about a bar stool, a bar stool that goes on an adventure. (laughs) Who's saying no to James Cameron? (laughs) 
I, so there's a lot to break down there. I think the first is no one is saying no. I think it's interesting because my hot take is as far as a legacy sequel, I still prefer Top Gun 2 to Avatar 2. And what I said with Top Gun Maverick, I never said it would make top 10, but I said it has a chance. And it never it never quite did. It came no, it's close. it's number 12. It, and it, at its height, it was 11th. So it came close. And the reason I bring that up is, although I think it's better than Avatar 2 in my personal opinion, it'd be interesting to see how Way of Water goes. Because Avatar did amazingly well at its time. But upon it's it's really lived on the re-releases as well, right? And so, obviously, between two and three, there's not going to be a 14-year gap. So, you know, we, it, Avatar The Way of Water might not really cash in as much on the re-releases as number one did, just because of such a long period of time and how groundbreaking number one was. But I'd just be interested to see if it does crack that two spot. I don't think it's going to break Avatar 1 by any stretch. But I, I'd be curious to see. I'm not a betting man. I'm not going to say it is going to bump Avengers Endgame. But I'd, it, it'll be fun to watch. And I think there's a chance. It's not a good chance, but there's a chance. So you bring up an interesting point, which is that, you know, right now what we're tracking is that Avatar The Way of Water is 16 million away from, from overthrowing Titanic. Mm-hmm which is also about to see a re-release. <laughs> right. So actually, it's a moving target. It's a moving target. And it's right. it's amazing that we're going to live in a time and an age where you could literally go see a double feature of right. 4K 3D IMAX James Cameron films. Well, when you <laughs> like, say, hey, I'm going to go see a 4K James Cameron Kate Winslet film, and your friend goes, but which one? <laughs> exactly. Which one? Which one? Which one? No, it's uh, um, it's nuts. And I, oh, shoot, I was going to say something. Oh, if, again, if I could text James Cameron, and I kind of want to. So if anyone has his number and wants to pass it my way, it doesn't matter. He's not going to listen to me. But if if I could put a bug in his ear, and instead of him saying, I've got a bar stool that I want to make a movie about called Barstool Bob, what I'd say is instead of making a movie about Barstool Bob or instead of making another Avatar movie, spend 10 years or five or whatever doing visually, bringing what you bring to the screen, but of like an underwater exploration of Titanic. That would be, I know it's completely different, like the the motion capture, like I realize Apple is Lenore's technology, of, but I'm just saying... Bring something visually as breathtaking and reality-based of the the ruins of Titanic and bring that to IMAX, and man, talk about take my money. Yeah. Another interesting statistic that's brought up in all of this is Mm -hmm. Zoe Saldana, who plays Natiri, has currently, and this is not factoring in, you know, like who knows what's going to happen with Avatar 3, Mm -hmm. right? Um, but Zoe Saldana is in three of the six highest grossing films of all time. Oh, yeah. Because she plays Natiri, but she also plays Gamora. Right. So she's in Avatar. She's in Avengers Endgame. She's in Avatar The Way of Water. And she's in Avengers Infinity War. So yeah, four of the six. 
four of the six. That's also like a really impressive statistic. And that's like, I don't know what that means. If anything, I don't know that that really like increases her Hollywood draw because I I don't think it does. She's Um, a capable actor, but also it's just the way it's worked out that she's signed on to lucrative projects for sure. Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet's in two of the top four. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's crazy. Craziness. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm super I'm I'm a big fan of this film. Sure. Um I was I was blown away visually. I was captivated narratively. Um and it's put me in a position where I am looking forward to not just like interested in reviewing and understand the the weight of reviewing Avatar 3. But mm-hmm. as a fan, I'm anticipating seeing hmm. the next one and and have been <laughs> enchanted a little bit by the mm-hmm. world, have been enchanted by the story that he's telling and have found, have was uh, this film allowed me to find deeper meaning in hmm. in the allegory that's being told and in the 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 race of the navi and in like i don't know something that was just that i couldn't that i knew was there and was supposed to be there in the first one but just was personally unable to tap into i have hmm. tapped into now and am you know i'm there and ready to keep going that's fun that's fun. I yeah, I'm not there for the same obviously in the same degree of excitement, but I will watch number 3 and visually look forward to what it brings. Cool. Yeah. Um do you have anything else? Like what what other notes? I think that that about wraps it up. Like the other problem that I was going to bring up was just another example of just the stakes not being there for me. And it was just simply, you know, this whole horrific concept of these humans hunting these whales for this incredibly lucrative anti-aging fluid. And just, I don't know, it just felt like a weird plot device and a weird con. The fluid itself felt like a weird plot device. And then again, I just felt like this whole hunting of the whales had its emotional moments and its horrific moments. But just as it related to this whole purpose of hunting and scavenging this, this material, I just also feel like it didn't really have the consequences in some regard that I think it was supposed to. And again, I don't know if that's just, again, me wanting to see something real worldly, like in our earth, or if it's just in my mind, kind of like the whole knife to the throat thing. I think I just made, you know, in this whale fluid circumstance, it just didn't have the right story telling narrative to kind of build up and let it breathe and have the stakes that it was supposed to instead of just being something that happened on screen that really didn't shake me as much as it should have or at least the concept should have right and um but that was just another random example yeah neither here nor there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah interesting oh yeah that's that's about all i got okay sir what would you give avatar the way of water we've been waiting feels like years for me to ask you this question yeah what would you give avatar the way of water on a scale of zero to ten 
Visually, you know, if someone was asking visually, what would you give it out of 10? You know, a nine. Really fun. You know, I I gave out all the options. You know, I did the high, uh, is it the HFR, the high frame resolution? Um, and, you know, the Adobe Satmos and like everything, you know, I just, I didn't want, not that I could, but I didn't just watch this on an iPad at a bus station. You know, I went to a really good theater Pulled out all the stops. Visually, it was a 9 out of 10. Sometimes I found the HFR a bit distracting. I'm not going to lie. That's one thing visually that kept visually from being a 10. Just especially some of the action sequences. It just felt like I was watching film that was being sped up. And I just... Something about it was distracting to me. Like someone would move and I went like, that almost looked too fast to, to be humanly possible. Like it's just the something about it was a little bit trippy at times for me. But visually, 9 out of 10. But that's not how I rank a movie. I rank it on its entire weight, the story and the visuals and the characters. So overall, I gave Avatar 2 a 5 out of 10. It's not bad, but it's definitely not in my good books. And it was right down the middle. Five what would you out give of it? 10. Yeah. What would you give it out of 10? Wow, I gave it a 9.2. That makes sense from what you're saying of how you're praising it. You know, that's, of how you're looking forward to it. Wow. I Listen, I was going to say, because um, you had asked me, you were like, what, mm-hmm. um, what should I, like, of... Of the available options, like of the different mm, oh, yes. showings, which one should I go see? Yeah. And I recommended the high frame rate. Sure. Because I said, like, I don't know, it's yeah. that's oh, how yeah. he shot it. So mm-hmm. it seems like that's that's how what you he should. Wants. And um, that's how like and when you're saying all these things, it's you know, how he's in making it is how he's intending it to be watched. So, you know, watching it without any of these features, it's detracting from what he's the, the artist's perspective purposes yeah but what was interesting is i someone i was talking to someone a couple of days ago or maybe like a week or two ago and they were like um they recommended against it they said exactly what you said they're like oh it's distracting and i thought to myself should i message pete and tell him this and deter (laughs) him from but ultimately, I was like, well, no, because maybe that was just this one person's opinion. Sure. And also, yep. there's value in, because what I saw it in was not the high frame rate, mm-hmm. just because it wasn't that wasn't a thing at my theater. Yep. Um, I saw it in IMAX 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I was like, well, there's a value in having two different experiences, yeah. you know. Yep. So I sacrificed your experience for the, the sake of the podcast. <laughs> Apparently, good. yeah. <laughs> cool. What did you watch this week, sir? A uh, couple things. The one I watched a 1996 film starring Tom Cruise called Jerry Maguire. So a sports agent is morally changed when he has an epiphany and is fired as a result of it. And he decides to put his new philosophy to the test is an independent agent for <laughs> one athlete in Cuba Gooding Jr. And um, he uh, enable Tom Cruise also enables or, or encourages one of his former employees to stay with him who turns out to be a romantic interest. So I gave this, uh, I guess it would be more classified as a dramatic romance movie, maybe a bit of comedy. I give it a 7 out of 10. You know, it's it's fun. It's 90s Tom Cruise. 
I'm on the Tom Cruise bandwagon ever since Top Gun 2. I'm trying to rewatch a lot of his works. And so it's got some iconic moments, you know, the show me the money. It's got some heartfelt moments of, you know, uh, character, uh, you know, having some ebbs and flows in a romantic relationship and then having personal su- successes and then realizing that they're hollow without the person that he re- that means the most to him. So it's it's got what you got, want from like a, a 90s comedy romance feel good you know iconic film it's not perfect it's not shakespeare it's not the best tom cruise movie i've ever seen but it's still a fun iconic classic and um yeah so that's one thing i watched the other thing i watched was i wrapped up this tv series on netflix called 1899 and um it's got a bit of controversy around it in that if I if what I read was true, uh, it's a one season show that would looked like it was leading up to at least another season, maybe multiple, and it got the axe. If what I read was true, it is no longer being continued, and people are upset about it. Um, but essentially, As this is the this, Netflix way. This is the Netflix way, <laughs> and people were so upset they were like t- commenting, like, "Yeah, they're gonna." cancel this show but still have like the newest season of whatever insert blank tv show like there's so many now but like where all these people are shirtless at a resort flirting with each other and getting drunk and acting stupid and it's just like there's a new one of those series every week on netflix but they're canceling something else and people were upset about it but um what drew me to 1899 was you know this period piece at the turn of the century and you've got this steamship crossing the atlantic maybe some ties to titanic maybe that's why i liked it but i was really intrigued by the period and it's this dramatic mystery where passengers with mixed backgrounds and, and hauntings in their own past look for a new future in the new country. And then an unexpected turn comes when they find a kind of a ghost ship, so to speak, of uh, an abandoned kind of uh, nature. And what they find on board of this ghost ship kind of turns their promising trip to the new world into a horrifying nightmare. And, you know, I was really intrigued by it. It looked like a bit of a psych thriller as well. And I was really disappointed by it, to be honest. I gave the whole series a 5 out of 10. You know, um, I'm going to give a spoiler here. So if someone is considering watching it, don't listen to the next 10 seconds. But instead of being a period piece on a ship at the turn of the century, which it was, it really also was fundamentally a sci-fi thriller and so there's nothing wrong with that it's just wasn't the cup of it wasn't the beverage that i showed up to the bar wanting to drink i was really looking forward to a period piece with costumes and set designs of you know a hundred years ago 120 years ago and then infused with a mystery and i was all all for that and then when it turned out to be kind of a sci-fi component to it then i thought okay this there's nothing wrong with this this just isn't why i started watching the show and it was kind of like a kind of a, a catch and release or a bitch or a <laughs> bait and switch of uh coming for one thing and then uh staying for another so uh i gave 1899 a five out of ten i'm a little disappointed um that there's not going to be a new season to be honest i likely wouldn't have watched it but i would have been curious to read up on you know, some story narrative summaries of determining what happened just to end up, uh, see how some storylines were closed up and looped off. But I will, it looks like never get that. And we'll just have to use my imagination. So 
1899, I gave out a five out, ten, a 5 out of 10. Not necessarily that it was bad, but it just wasn't what I was showing up for. What did you watch this week? Uh, I can only think of two things. Sure. One is The Atom Project. I finally got around to watching oh. The Atom Project. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's, it wasn't like an amazing movie, but it's like a fun sort of popcorn-esque sci-fi action adventure type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other that I watched is The Voices. Hmm. Have you heard of it? I haven't. I'm actually going to Google it right now. It's also with Ryan Reynolds. Um, and if we huh. were back in the days of forcibly recommending a film to the oh, other person, I would recommend right. it to you simply because I, I, I need to hear your thoughts. Horror thriller. Interesting. Really? That's what they, that's what they. That's what it's. Yeah. Rightfully really? or wrongfully. The voices. Are we looking at the same horror? A mentally unhinged factory worker must decide whether to listen to his talking cat and become a killer or follow his dog's advice to keep striving for normalcy. Yeah. It's totally a comedy though. Like I'm surprised a comedy. What a weird mislabel. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. I mean, I get, I get the, the horror thriller. Sure. Tagline, uh, but but also a comedy for sure. Right. Right. But, uh, interesting. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds, Anna Kendrick. Anna, Anna Kendrick, yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's 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 I kinda need to hear someone else <laughs> I need to hear their opinions. And now is that because you're not sure if it was good or bad, or you it was just so interesting that you're kind of the ideas are bouncing off your head? Both, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think both. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, that's what I watched. Cool. Wrap it up, sir. Very cool. Well, yeah, thank you for listening, whether you're tuning in just because it's Avatar 2 or tuning in because you you love us and you love tuning in uh, each week or periodically. Thank you for joining us today. Check out our socials below, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Like, follow, subscribe. Give us a good rate and review wherever you can. We do appreciate it. Check out our Patreon page. It's uh, a way for you to support the show and a way for you, us to say thank you for supporting the show. We've got uh, bonus content on there, so bo- bonus audio episodes. We've just got a new one that came out a couple weeks, well, week to 10 days ago. Uh, we do the occasional video stream. Uh, we do the occasional uh, input where Patreon supporters give us input for voting, upcoming voting ideas. And then for the higher tiers, we also have bonus voting uh uh, allocated uh, rights where you know if you you your votes count for more so um, check it out and um, thank you to all our existing patreon supporters it really does help us pay the bills and um, we will not be making the top six grossing of podcasts we will not be the james cameron of podcasts right now anyway not with that attitude <laughs> we're, we're still we're approaching the one billion mark but not two yeah we'll get that it's it's in the it's in the crosshairs it's coming but thank you for joining us and catch us next time uh whether it's for our next movie review or for the next news segment yeah next time when we review the dune dune 2 dune 2 <laughs> uh, too fast too dune <laughs> <laughs>